Hello, people. It's Jonathan Fields of Good Life Project back with our third and final installment with our guest in residence. Not that it's the final installment of Good Life Project. It's just our guest in residence, their third week with us for this roundtable. We have Gabra Zachman, romance author, voice artist, who also reads a lot of romance audiobooks, actor, and human being extraordinary. You can find more about her at GabraZachman.com and Daniel Lerner, Amazing human being, positive psychology expert. I didn't say in our first two, NYU professor, teacher of what I believe is the largest undergraduate class at NYU. Is that accurate to say? The largest. Uh, Non-mandatory? Or? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that That's the one. Yeah. Got it. Um, with something like 400,000 people in the class. 400 million people in the class. <laughs> million. <laughs> um, also, a leading expert in human performance, human potential, and expertise. So if you want to be phenomenal at whatever it is that you're doing, he's the dude to talk to. You can find him at daniellerner.com. So we're wrapping our residency this week, guys. And um, why don't we start out with Gabra Zachman? Great. Well, I thought this would be a cool way to wrap up this residency. So I recently had the opportunity to go to Colorado to shoot a short film. Uh, This is called, I'm going to plug it. Um, This is called Mrs. Drake is the name of the film with uh, Noggin Sauce Pictures uh, based in Colorado. And it was a project that was initially commissioned by my friend Rachel Fowler and I, uh, Kyle Warren, who's an amazing writer, Um, has written this short, and he wrote it for Rachel and I to do. Amazing, amazing, beautiful short film. And Rachel met this producer, John Dyack, and they've run with it, right? So they ran with it, they put this thing together. A good friend of Rachel's is um, Caitlin Fitzgerald, uh, who you might know from the series Masters of Sex, and she uh, is the director, and she brought on board an amazing DP, and... um, We shot this film in four days, and it was just sort of through the roof. So I'm thinking about that, right? And I'm thinking about the energy of the three of us sitting here around this table. And we've done this once before, and we came together, and we, you know, came together to have a cool conversation, and it felt like something about it went through the roof. I love this expression, right? So my question is, ultimately what we're all seeking, I think, are those collaborations that change our lives, that inspire us, that open our consciousness, that open our minds. And I am such a frequent collaborator with in all sorts of media, and I know you both are as well. I'm often taken by surprise in the best of ways when something exceeds my expectations, when a certain chemical combination of people and project comes together in a way that's really, really life-altering. And my strange question to the two of you is, how do you make that happen in your lives? How do you make the magic thing happen that happens when people come together in a combination of business and fellowship and where something that you're working on gets pushed to the next level? And you know what I mean by that, where it's not just, sure, we're getting together and we're telling a story, but actually we're working on a higher level where we're suddenly actually telling something that we think maybe is universal or I think it's what we all seek. And I wonder, do you think there's a way to make that happen? It feels like it's always surprising, especially in the world of the creative arts, 
You know, I'm in a show right now that has a similar thing where it's just a wonderful combination of energies and sort of through the roof. How do you, how do you make that happen? Does it just happen by chance, do you think? Or do you have influence over it? Well, step one, invite Gabra Zachman, <laughs> Daniel Lerner, to hang out in a recording studio for a couple of hours. Right. Um, but do you know me? Like that's a, that's a great example. That was just by chance. But I felt immediately that first time we all spoke to each other that yeah. there was something that was like there was like an exponential energy. Right. Shift. So it happening was by chance. But one of the reasons why I invited you guys the first time, and then why you know like you guys are back here and mm-hmm. we're here as a triplet, is because there was I I had a feeling we would, there would just be an energy. You know and. Trust me, more times than not, I'm not right. But there was something about it where I just said, <laughs> uh, like, no Sengali. Um, but there was something where I was like, ah, I just think this would be fun. And in a way, you know, so I'm trying to create, you know, good tape for radio. Right. But at the same time, I'm looking for every opportunity I can to populate my days with great conversations with people who I just love. Right. Where so this is like okay, so I'm hanging out with Dan and Gabra this afternoon. There just happened to be mics in the room, and but for that fact, the three of us would not have carved out time in our day right. to make this happen, even though we really have fun doing it. Mm. Right. You know, so why not create an excuse and call it work um, to do it? But in terms of like, what are the ingredients of that? Yeah, like what are you know, the ingredients of, of great thing? collaboration I mean, of the thing we all are seeking all the time? I do, I. I'm sure there's research that's been done on this. And my guess is Dan actually probably has a lot more on this than I do because I don't, I don't honestly know. For me, it's just, it's a gut sensibility of like maybe this will work. But Dan, you've you spent a lot more time in this world than me. Like, what's coming to mind for you? Yeah, you know, I, I wish I could pull all all of the research to my head. Uh, I can give you a personal example, and I can talk a little bit about some of the research I know, certainly. I it's, it is a great question. Collaboration is uh, too rare and, yeah. uh, and yet very highly sought after. Um, and it's a challenge that way. Uh, often those people who are most celebrated in our culture are, are individuals. Mm-hmm. But when we yeah. think about uh, Wilbur and Orville, uh, that's flight. When we think about uh, Ben and Jerry, that's ice cream. And so, without the two of them together, uh, we wouldn't have uh, we wouldn't be flying with ice cream in our hands, in our mouths. So, <laughs> so, 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 kind of what happened there? Uh, I'm I'm really fortunate in that I have a wonderful colleague who I, who I teach with, and I can't tell you how many times. Colleagues have said, "Wait, you teach class at the same time? How do you, how, I've never heard of that before. And it's so much more fun for us to teach together. And I think it's much uh, it's, it's advantageous for the students, too. He's, a, he's an adolescent psychiatrist. My focus is on positive psychology. So we're able to bring uh, – we're able to complement each other's strengths. And I think part of it is strengths to say, uh, as Peter Drucker had written about a constellation of strengths. How do you bring together people who have different strengths – uh, to the same cause. Mm. Part of that is going to be uh, having your eyes open, not only to see other strengths, but to appreciate them, which can often be a challenge. You know, a lot of a lot of what people look for is people who are like them, because they get them, they get each other, and that's going to be wonderful. But what the great teams often have are an appreciation for difference. So being able to look at someone and say, "Oh my gosh, you're so good at that," I, n- I never realized that was something important, can be essential. Uh, I think often a shared sense of meaning or purpose 
is really important. So uh, why did you want to make this short film? For you to share that with somebody else, sometimes it's unspoken. Often in organizations, uh, there is a a statement of purpose. Mm. Uh, Usually it's ignored. But when it's acted on, it can create an extraordinary organization. Mm -hmm. And then it comes to a certain extent to values. Uh, I think that's, that's part of it too, to say you can be amazing what you do, but if your value, if our value is not aligned, it's going to be challenging to really collaborate, to really trust, to really uh, play all out in, in that uh, partnership. Mm. So I certainly think there, are element, think there are elements we can look for, but we have to be teed up and ready to open our minds to the idea that, they, that there is great value in them. And it's not just a solo pursuit mm. uh, at the um, at the uh, at the at cost of all others you know one of the sources I'd, I'd point people to is uh, Adam Grant's give and take uh, a, a wonderful book by uh, a remarkable uh, very very accomplished and very very young uh, professor at Wharton who talks about the import of people who give to others mm. when it mm. comes to s- being successful not necessarily with expectation of return, not necessarily without expectation of return either, but the ability to really share, to not go too far into it, but I'll let you certainly watch his TED Talk or read his book. Um, but there, there are huge advantages to being, to being giving to others, not a doormat, to be, but being giving to others. And often that also creates such goodwill that you want to work with that person more. You trust that person more, and you do get, you do get a shared sense of meaning. I think that, that's, really, that's really key. One of the other thing I'd say that I might have launched off with uh, just – I think to keep in mind is that relationships are are the number one characteristic of people who – positive relationships – who have well-being in their lives. And so when we're able to have relationships in our work, it brings us – it allows us to be more engaged. allows us to come with more positive emotions, more focus, often more energy. And that can be a, a wonderful thing too. So um, I think just looking for relationships in a world where we don't look often enough can be a huge advantage. Uh, some of those relationships are going to be – breakfast once a month like Jonathan and I do, do as often as possible we just sit there and we you know we literally chew the fat and, um, and we hang out and that's it and whether or not it ends up becoming a wonderful round table with the three of us mm-hmm. or it ends up becoming working in some capacity or it ends up becoming just a wonderful friendship it's not like you're searching for something but, you, mm. but you're dancing with different people you know you're going to meet a lot of people we're gonna, all going to meet a lot of people in our lives some of them we're going to date some of them we are going to marry maybe some of them we're just going to be friends with and I shouldn't say just but we're going to be friends with and all relationships are meant to be different but if we start off with the idea of there's something that we're sharing we're really enjoying each other's company maybe we can also work together because we have other things in common that, that seems like a very very natural often very natural thing mm-hmm. as well and I, I love that. Um, I wonder if it's also important not to try and over-engineer it. Yeah. Right. You know, because I know. Because you no, layer that's so an expectation smart. on top of it. That's yeah. right. That says, well I, well, I got this hit that this is going to be really good. So let me – and I want it to be really good because I want that in my life. So let me try and, like, make it mm-hmm. as good as humanly possible and, like, try and control all the environment and this and that. And, like, you know, like, sprinkle seeds and sage the apartment and – and then doing so, like you raise the expectations of the magic happening to a point where there's no conceivable way that even if it does happen, it would meet the fantasy that you create in your head. So the only inevitable outcome is to be let down. And then instead of just reveling in a moment that would have been quite nice, you end up leaving, like feeling like, well, 
that didn't work the way I thought it was going to work and considering it a failure rather than just like a nice moment. So, I, yeah, I wonder if some sort of, sometimes we try to over-engineer it and, and create a shift in expectations that becomes self-defeating. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about values also. I think it's so, values are thrown around so much in the corporate world mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as like really critical and like you said, mission, vision, stuff like that. And uh, it's funny because what popped up as you were talking about this is, you know, every year we run a, you know, Camp GLP at the end of August. Mm-hmm. Advertisement, August 25th. <laughs> um, and, you know, every year it started out the first year we had 250 people. Last year we had 350. This year we'll probably have between four and 500 people. And we're always a little bit freaked out because we want to make sure the first year something astonishing happened. There was a magic that just blanketed yes. this thing. That was transformative. You know, people came from around the world, planes, trains, and automobiles, didn't know each other, a lot of raging introverts came alone, and all of a sudden, something transcendent happened for three and a half days. So year two, we're like, how do we recreate this? Boom, but like, let's try and really get granular. So we, we really tried to cultivate the same container, and lo and behold, something really similar but different happened. And now we're moving to year number three. We want to do the same thing as we're growing. And we're trying to control growth to make sure that we can you know, control the container. And, but the more I think about it, the, the more I wonder whether it's really not about size. It's not about us capping at a particular size. It's really about us being really explicit about our lens on the world. You know, we have, you know, Good Life Project has a creed, a public creed, you know, like front and center on the website that says, this is what we believe, you know? And if you raise your hand and say, hell yes, I want to be with people who believe that too, you're in. And if you look at it and you're like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen on the planet, you're out. And it's equally good either way. But if you're in, then the likelihood in my mind of you now getting on a plane, train, or automobile, you know, like driving 90 minutes outside of New York and showing up for three and a half days to, for, of communal living and activities and learning and fun with a whole bunch of people you've never met before, the likelihood of that being on some level magical elevates dramatically. So mm. that's a lot of what we focus on. We're trying to create that. But I am really, I'm increasingly aware of the danger of trying to over-engineer it. Mm. Yeah, it's so well said. You mm. know, I'm, we always say in the, in the world of stagecraft films, you know, those kinds of collaborations, the ones where everything kind of elevates to that other level, we, you remember them. It's, it's, not, it's just not every day. It's yeah. just not. And and there's always something good about everything I do. But some of the ones, you know, they're just something they, else. They it's, that's that you. thing. Yeah. It, it is. Mean, it's the thing. It's it's something that's unquantifiable, right. which is why I wanted to talk about it, because I love yeah. talking about things that are unquantifiable. There's that un- you know? intangible. There's a book called The Immortal Evening, um, which I read as part of research oh. for the last book, actually, which oh. talks about a, a, like a dinner between you know, like Keats and there were like these six or eight people. And it was it was one of these evenings where nobody ever wanted it to end. Yeah, yeah. And like totally. we've all had that evening. That's right. You know, and, and we never we never forget it, and we, we never, never forget, forget it. it, and we very often search for it again yeah. for years. <laughs> well, and you're right, and that's actually you bring up the right point, which is that the engineering of it, or the searching for it, or anything that's not living in the present of whatever it is, completely jeopardizes the possibility yeah. of magic. Yeah, that's the point of it, Mr. Learner. We're going to roll over to you. What do you got? So What's on your mind, it's interesting. It's related to Gabra's question. I have a backup question if you need it. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about mentorship recently uh, and what it is that makes a great mentor. Hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about it in, in a lot of different contexts. When we, do either of you know the, the origin of the term mentor? No. no? 
So neither had I uh, until I looked into this. Uh, so the origin of the term mentor is uh, mentor was a character in uh, the Odyssey. Uh, he was an old man who was left uh, who was left in in the home in the house uh, uh, to look over the son and wife, right? As the as the Odyssey happened, but he was old and feeble, and he didn't have <clears throat> much sway or influence uh, when the suitors came to camp out in the house and. Pursue the you know pursue the wife, and uh, what happened was that the goddess Athena, the goddess of strength and wisdom and and, and arts, oh, but and cultivation of olives, which I think is awesome. Mm. Uh, she came possessed. She came disguised as him, and persuaded Telemachus to stand up to the suitors. I thought this is awesome. The you know his name was Mentor, but the origin is because you get your body taken over by a goddess, oh, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And then when I thought, I started thinking about modern mentors and, and, what, and what does it look like? And so we think about, we tend to celebrate mentorship, but we really celebrate the mentee. So I thought about popular mentors and mentees. And I thought, who are some of the most popular mentees that come to mind? Uh, Rocky had Mick. Uh, um, uh, Elliot uh, Ness, Kevin Costner had John Malone, Sean Connery. Luke Skywalker had Ben Kenobi. I was like, and these three guys, heavyweight champion of the world. The other one defeats the mob in Chicago and beats Al Capone. And the final and, – and the other one defeats the dark side, at least for the time being. And amazing things. And, and then they had these mentors, all of whom died horrible, violent deaths. Yeah. You either die by Mr. T or you die uh, by Tommy Gunn or you die by Darth Vader's lightsaber. What a horrible way to go. Mm-hmm. So mentorship is not exactly – you know, the mentee gets it. The mentor gets it in a really bad way. And when we look at mentorship, it's, it's really quite a wonderful thing. And it's actually kind of a bidirectional uh, relationship, which we don't celebrate as much. Um, and we think about – when I think about folks like uh, Maya Angelou and Oprah Winfrey, for example, mm-hmm. uh, Zuckerberg and Jobs, um, both parties really, really benefit. So what I was – there's a long way of leading up to, to asking, when you think about mentors in your lives – what have mentors in your lives brought to you and what have you seen them uh, benefit? How have you seen them benefit as a result of that relationship? Wow. Now, I tell you why I love this question. I love this question because when anyone asks me if I have a mentor, I say Jonathan Fields. Do you know that? Completely quiet. Oh, <laughs> Wow! I've now turned the color of the table, and and and, which is blue, which is very strange. Yes, part you know. So of course we're going to say all sorts of incredible and amazing things. But as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that you were like the mentor always dies a violent death. So, Jonathan, I don't want you to be intimidated. I need to get to work on my final book. Apparently, lightsaber in your bag. Oh my goodness! You know, I that's what I always say. I always, I always say Jonathan Fields is my mentor. And what do I mean by that? You know, I go back to some of those early yoga classes that I took with you, Jonathan, and I I think of some of the wisdom that you shared from the Bhagavad Gita. I remember a particular class that you taught when you said, it it changed my life, actually, when you said um, you reworded a passage um, or put a passage into your own words to the extent of which it said uh, very simply, are you living the path that you're supposed to be living? If you are living in a different path, even if you are living it well, and it's not your path, what path do you think you would choose if you had the unconditional support of your family and friends? You know, really life-changing. I remember that. 
And I know that I have, I think uh, that from you, I think I think much more expansively about what my career is in the larger sense or how to, how to build the exact life and career I want. I have gotten a lot of permission for that from you, I think. Um, as to what you get from me, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I think that was the second part of the question. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think it's for me. I mean, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that you've really enabled me to be a lot more brave. And so maybe in some way in the brave ways in which I've lived my life and continue to open to new paths of my life, maybe that's just reflected back at you and, and given you more allowance to live some of these cool paths you live. Well, number one, thank you. When you ask what you know, what I get back from that, mm. um, and maybe what I think a lot of mentors get, it's uh, the Yiddish word naches comes. To mind. <laughs> you know, and it's a hard word to yeah, describe. Yeah, I was just about to say now you have to define that, and no one can right, define Yiddish. The, the, it's the the closest I've seen is actually um, it's one of the four measurables in Buddhism, which they translate the Sanskrit translates roughly to appreciative joy, which is mm. you know the joy you get when somebody that you care about so unconditionally succeeds that you feel it as your own that you 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 both bask in in that uh, that success and. My sense is that that's, you know, when I see whether it's, you know, official, like formal mentorship or just friendship that we've had over Mm -hmm. the years or just whatever it may be, that a big part of what mentors get is that. It's that, you know, it's that extension of lived through joy and success. And it's that feeling where when you care about somebody that has nothing to do with you being given value in exchange for what you're offering, you just... You want them to go into life and and do well and be well, mm. and you see it happen. There's just a feeling that you get that's good. You know, Yiddish you call it nachis, mm. and it's something. You know, it's, it's, as a parent, like the, the easiest way to describe it is a parent watching your child flourish. Mm. You know, and you're just like you feel good. Mm. And I think my sense is that's a lot of what mentorship is about. I, I think secondarily, you know, it's probably there's a bit of beginner's mind happening. It's, at least my approach is always, I I, I I struggle with the word mentor. I struggle with the word teacher. I struggle with the word especially guru. Um, mm, and oh, I've, yeah. I've never That's particularly seen myself in any of these three roles, especially guru. To yeah. me, it's like, no, 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 no. I don't know if anybody actually really should or ever assume that title. But the idea of no matter how far you are down your path, you know, if you can be in relationship with somebody else and through their experience, even if you they perceive you as being substantially further along, if you can, through their experience, just open yourself up to the possibility that you know, every human being has something that they can teach you. And through, through your interaction with them, you can somehow learn and evolve and become a better human being. I think mentorship just sort of helps organize that opportunity. Mm. But the deeper thing is to constantly keep that beginner's mind. It's part of the way you move into the world. Like, I wish I could say I always had that. You know, sometimes I'm just like nasty Upper West Side New Yorker who judges everybody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I really try and revert to that as often as I can. And I think a mentorship relationship often just gives you another interesting dynamic to explore moving into the world with that mindset to a certain extent. Cool. That's what I got. Thank you. Thank you. That was a cool question. That is a cool question. Cool.
And Dan has very good questions. You guys are so smart particles. I think Dan wins at the questions. No. No, it's only because of the company I keep. <laughs> I feel like that's the moment where we all should do a shot, right? It should be like, skull! Set him up. <laughs> all right, set him up. It's that's like, right. That's right. The end of week three. The final minutes. It's just all week shots. Week three residency. <laughs> that's right. We're done, man. Close whisk. it out with a tumbler of whiskey. tank is empty. <laughs> Let's just go there. Um, well, now we're we're to you, right? We you're are, ra- are you wrapping us up? We I think I am wrapping us up here. Um, Bring it home. Yeah, it's and it kind of like I think it kind of actually works with the, the both topics, which is the idea of those moments of collaborative grace, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. No, oh, that's perfect. And the idea of you're kind of building on with mentorship. Um, and who benefits and, and how does the mentor, which is ra- rarely explored as much as like the mentee who thrives and makes a big difference in the world. And it's the idea of holding on to those moments and those relationships loosely. And my sense is that we have, there's so much uncertainty in the world these days. There's so much shifting around underneath all of our feet. You know, turn on the news, listen to anything, and all of a sudden you feel very ungrounded mm-hmm. that... I personally, I think I found myself grasping for, like, holding tighter and tighter to whatever it is that I have that gives me that sense of, like, things are going to be okay. I know where the next dollar is coming from. You know, like, I know my relationships are okay. I know, like, all those things that I might be able to, like, you know, like, where I'm like, okay, I can actually, I can wrap my hands around it, so I'm going to hold as tightly as humanly possible. And my sense is that there is, it's not just me. There's an energy in the air these days that seems to be making a lot of people want to hold on tighter and tighter and tighter. And and I know intellectually, I know philosophically, I know from studies that the teaching has always been to hold loosely. Mm. You know, mm. that when, mm. you, when, when you hold tight, you smother. Mm. When you hold loose, you know, it may get away from you. But at the same time, it also may grow in a way that would never grow when you don't have those constraints. And I'm wondering if this is something that is just, you know, I'm in a position where there's a lot of shifting around underneath my feet these days. Yeah. Um, so I guess part of my question is, am I projecting this into the world? Um, or I'm curious whether you guys are feeling that and struggle with this, or, or not even struggle with it, but just dance with this notion of how tightly do I hold on to the things that I can hold on to? Or is it just me? That's what I put out to you as a wrap-up question. Nice, easy one. It's great. It's a great wrap-up. Softball question. <laughs> it's a great wrap-up question. I I uh, will just say briefly that I've been very fascinated with astrology lately because we had a couple of eclipses recently that were huge sources of energy. If you look deeper into the meanings, and I love the – there's some real deep stuff with astrology that I love that – um, a lot of the the, sig- the signifiers of this, there were bookended eclipses, a solar one and a lunar one. And both of them sort of forecast a lot of energy movement, a lot of emotion, and also a lot of letting go of the old and welcoming in the new, which is very much what you're talking about, <laughs> you know. Oh, 2016 has been a year a lot of that. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, and I, I think we all are <laughs> feeling that, that, and maybe it's, Part of it is astrological, part of it's political, part of it's, you know, current events, part of it's who knows what. But that very idea of um, it is so very hard for us to let go, but but you can only welcome in 
the new when you let go of some of the old, you know? So I think that part of the loose holding on to things that give you grounding are that they'll stay there if they're supposed to stay there and they'll go away if they're supposed to go away. And there's real sadness in that. Some, some beautiful things, friendships, jobs, relationships, you know, some of those things actually need to wash away so that the new stuff can come in. Nevertheless, it's no less unsettling. I think, I think we all want solid ground under our feet. I think we're in a world that's, that's lacking it. So those are just a couple of my two cents. I'd really rather hear Dan talk. So I'm mm. going to turn this over to Dan. Me too. He's so smart. He's so oh smart. Lord, you guys, <laughs> Dan's the <laughs> smart that, one. Not that you're not smart guy, right? I didn't no, mean I, to I, imply I that. I want to be the cute one. I told you that. <laughs> and you're the cute one, and you sound better than either of us on radio. It's, ama- it's amazing. Oh, that's a good okay. yeah, you, got both, you got both. You know, sorry. <sighs> that's a terrific question. It's... It, it, it goes back to last week's question where you were saying you might want some more time to think about this. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes, right. Uh, I apologize for the depth of my questions. <laughs> That's really good. Um, you know, my, my initial thought is just that if we're holding on to something too tight, it's because we're afeared mm. uh, of something, of losing it. And we're afeared that it doesn't want to that it doesn't belong in our lives or that it doesn't want to, if it's a thing or that it, we don't deserve it or that we, or if it's a person that it doesn't want to be there uh, necessarily. And clearly depending on what the nature of talk about people for a moment, human beings or if your relationship is with that person, if you're holding on too tight to someone, you risk, well, you risk smothering them, as you said, and also you risk, uh, holding on to them for the wrong reasons. Mm. I think about different relationships in my life. I, as I referenced last week with my boy, um, there's a wonderful balance. Uh, and I think all parents know this of, of how much, how, how much do you hold on and how much do you, do you let go? Uh, and it's a fascinating one because the, the, the nature of it for both parties involved is the dynamics are, are extraordinary. Uh, I'm going to hold on really, really, really hard. But if I hold on too much, he won't learn. He won't grow and he won't fall down. He won't make mistakes, so on and so forth. If I don't hold on tightly enough, um, he can really, it can be some, some serious issues. So when I think about that relationship, it's this dance. It's, it's learning. I'm learning every day about it. And there's constant change. There will be change until the day that I die uh, in terms of how that relationship plays out. And when it comes to when it comes to the work that we do, the material things that we have, so on and so forth, uh, it's related to a certain extent. Clearly, it's not bidirectional. There's one direction. But ask the question of why am I holding on too tight? What does it mean to me that I need to be holding on to this? And what are the opportunities I'm potentially losing by being myopic about those things that, are, that I, I have to grab onto? So, so I, I, I wonder if taking a step back to say what is most important in my life, not from a thing or person perspective, but what is the thing that, that allows me to, to have well-being and also for me to cultivate it in others? What are some themes that run consistently? And by understanding that, we might be able to make decisions based on – or at least by understanding that, we can understand how we hold, mm. how hard we hold, how much we let go of everything else in our lives. Um, so just kind of establish that, that base of, of what drives well-being uh, and for my life and others can help us make those decisions. Mm. Mm, that's beautiful. That's a good way to wrap our residency, I think. 
I wish he could have dropped the mic then, too. Oh, that would have been a good mic drop moment. That was a good mic drop. Boom. Replicate on swing. I'm not going to – I will take it home with me, though. Awesome. (laughs) I want to thank both of you for being my guests in residence for these three weeks. It's been been fantastic as always. My guests have been Gabra Zachman. You can find her at GabraZachman.com. And Daniel Lerner. You can find him at DanielLerner.com. You guys are Thank you for having awesome us. human beings. This is really good. Really I'm, wonderful. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off for Good Life Project. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We love sharing real, unscripted conversations and ideas that matter. And if you enjoy that too, and if you enjoy what we're up to, I'd be so grateful if you would take just a few seconds and rate and review the podcast. It really helps us get the word out. You can actually do that now right from the podcast app on your phone if you have an iPhone. You just click on the reviews tab and take a few seconds and jam over there. And if you haven't yet subscribed while you're there, then make sure you hit the subscribe button while you're at it. And then you'll be sure to never miss out on any of our incredible guests or conversations or riffs. And for those of you, our awesome community who are on other platforms, any love that you might be able to offer sharing our message would just be so appreciated. Until next time, this is Jonathan Fields signing off for Good Life Project. (music) 